OTB Rugby. The last thing you want to do is actually give inspiration. That said, you can talk all you like when you've had three man of the matches in eight games. You know, you're delivering on the pitch. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. Yeah, you are welcome back. We're counting down to uh, Lansdowne Road, Ireland versus England. Ireland hoping to win the first ever Lansdowne Road Grand Slam. It doesn't get much better than that. Uh, Katie Fitzhenry and Devon Tone are two Six Nations winners in the house. Both apparently have uh, good tickets for the game. You, you say you're working at the game, <laughs> I'm not sure about that now. Yeah, I'm working. I'm working. So uh, obviously the firm I'm working with now has, a, has uh, thankfully has a box. So I'm going to be uh, entertaining clients for the day. Uh, what are you up to nowadays? I'm working for a financial planning firm called Everything on Instagram. Ask Paul. Okay. And Fairstone Asset Management. So kind of working in in the, in the corporate world now, trying to trying to help people with their money. Katie, where are you going to watch it? Uh, from the stadium. Yeah. Uh, not quite the tickets that Dev Hire has, but I'll take them. Tickets are tickets. Well, there's only one place to start, and that's Gonzaga. Um, I know, Dev, you never won a uh, school, but uh, Gonzaga, congratulations. Uh, totally against the odds, uh, you know, and I can mention my mate Simon Corcoran, who soldiered hard for Gonzaga and tells me that nobody expected them to win yesterday. Texted a mate of mine, um, ex-Gonzaga, what was it like uh, going to Gonzaga when they didn't win? Well, they took their time winning, uh, in fairness. 70 years, all those long walks home from Donnybrook to Ballsbridge as a youth, always on the end of a hiding from Andrews or Michaels or Clongos or Terranure or Black Rock, my brother's school, our defined terrorist chant of we'll beat you in the leaving cert was our only comeback. <laughs> so, uh, what, what what would that be like if you're Gonzaga's uh, kid waking up this morning? It's huge. It's huge. It's huge for them. It's huge for the. It's huge for the for the school. It's um, obviously to, to to win it against Black Rock is huge. Um, to not have one of them is it the first time they won it. Yeah, not first time in seventy years. Yeah, it's it's absolutely massive, especially for for all, for all the young lads as well. And like first year, second year, third year, it's it's great for them to be able to see the success. So so like it could, that could like breed a bit more success as well. So um, no, yeah. it, it's it's great that they it's been shared or shared around shared around a bit. How come you never won one actually? Uh, because we weren't very good. <laughs> <laughs> I won one cup game when I was in fifth year against high school and then lost. And then high school of, of Ratgar. Yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then we lost Ternier. And then in uh, in sixth year, I lost to uh, Ross Gray in the first round. Yeah, in fairness, the school situation has changed to the extent that it's... Um, I don't know if you're following them much, Katie, but it, it's much more spread out now. Like rugby has really spread around. Like so, the traditional heartlands obviously are still strong, but you have the likes of Gonzaga, Ross Gray coming up as well, and it's you can tell the rugby is like kind of been um, guess spreading around the schools. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that competition is really strong. Um, a good pathway for the boys to mm. come into, um, and does some really good work for setting up into academy systems. So yeah. Yeah, Brent Pope is um he's such kind of a hero of the nation. He can just show up kind of two minutes into our <laughs> and you miss you miss my little anecdote uh, from an ex Gonzaga. <laughs> yeah, Brent Pope is here. He says, uh, now here we are, this is my my Gonzaga mate, twenty twenty three, playing liquid rugby, winning the bloody thing. Unimaginable. The collar size of the partners at good bodies is gonna increase in ten years' time. There are consequences. So Gonzaga are on top. Well, a quick story there, a bit of trivia. When did St. Mary's either, either beat Gonzaga about 98 points to 85? Wow. Basketball. Wow. I looked up on a match the other day wanting to see St. Mary's play Gonzaga, <laughs> and it was uh, college basketball in the States. Wow. So that's a bit of trivia for you. Let me throw out questions. So sorry. <laughs> How long are you living in Ireland now? Oh, God. Third, uh, and I came over in 1990. So what, uh, 33 years. Did you, did you ever think you'd get to a situation where... 
Ireland would be such overwhelming favourites to beat England <laughs> in a, in a, like to the extent that literally nobody expects England to win Ireland are 10 to 1 on they're expected to batter them um, how have we come to this Brent? Well my pitch now is that I left the best rugby country in the world to come to the best rugby country there in the we world go. but it's taken a long time I've seen changes since really rugby uh, turned professional because I think Ireland were brought kicking and screaming into the professional game. They didn't think they had the structure on the board. The first thing the IRFU did, they need a lot of credit for bringing the top players back, players like Malcolm O'Kelly, Victor Costello at that time, brought them back from England, wrapped them in cotton wool so they got a few more seasons out of them. Um, and it's gone on from then. So we've had successive success with coaches, you know, starting with Joe Schmidt before Amity O'Sullivan, Dick McKidney played their roles. And then, of course, um, now moving on to the situation now where you're clearly the best team in the world. I just don't mean by a little bit. I, you know, the way really? that they're playing. Yeah, I, I think, I never saw, you know, it's like that movie, I hear dead people or something. I always thought this would be a Grand Slam year for Ireland and I didn't, I don't think any different today. Well, if see if Ireland played in hypothetical Ireland played New Zealand in uh, Paris. Talk. If Ireland played New Zealand in Paris tomorrow, for example, yep. who, how do you call it? New, uh, Ireland. Like confidently? Yep, confidently. Katie? Yep. Yeah, really? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Well, after yeah. that, I went out to... I got, I got the ribbing of... I was told to F off back to Ireland by a couple of ex-All Blacks <laughs> I played with because when I was out there... I predicted they would win three tests, section. If wow. you look back in those games, New Zealand were lucky to win the first one. Such was the domination of, of the Irish for 20 or 30 minutes. A couple of intercept tries, things didn't go Ireland's way. So they could have won that series out there 3-0. Um, the danger with New Zealand, of course, is they uncover, just watching, I don't know whether you follow the Super Rugby, I follow it every week, but they are unearthing a few talent players in, in a World Cup year. My worry still would be a World Cup quarterfinal against what looks to be either France or, for France or New Zealand. And you wouldn't want to meet a French team in the sort of vein of form they had against England, nor would you want to meet a New Zealand team that's smarting from being beaten by Ireland more times than, than not over the recent years. But I still see Ireland as with their structures and their depth um, as being, yeah, the number one. And you look at, look, the under-20s are probably going to win a Grand Slam tomorrow. Yeah, the no sevens, pressure on them as well, but obviously there is. Well, the, the sevens, uh, you know, qualified for the Olympics and could have actually got a medal if things had gone their way. You know, women's rugby is on the up and up. So, I mean, it's not just coming from the first team for a few golden years. It's coming from mm. the provinces. You could conceivably, when I say you, Ireland could conceivably win a European Cup, a World Cup and a Grand Slam all in the same season. Well, this week's Saturday panel is brought to you thanks to Carry Out, Ireland's largest independent off-license with over 100 stores nationwide and voted Ireland's number one off-license in 2022, now delivering uh, nationwide. Visit carryout.ie for more. What intrigues me, Katie, is the soul-searching in English rugby today, where not only do they reflect on the humiliation of the defeat to France, the fact that they're coming to uh, Lansdowne Road and St. Patrick's weekend trying to almost upset the party as sort of a, a good thing, but also knowing how key English men are to this renaissance in Irish rugby. And I guess that's what nearly hurts the most in some respects. Yeah, look, we know England are going to come today hurting and angry. Um, it's what Ireland can do. And if they can play their own game, then I think I don't think there's a question in the result. Um, I think England have a lot of questions probably to answer themselves um, over the next couple of months pre-World Cup um, to see if they can get into some sort of shape to be competitive in that World Cup. I don't doubt them that they will be, but it's going to take a lot from what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. 
like generally I know in football say like when Bournemouth shipped nine against Liverpool Bournemouth then didn't concede goals for the for the near future um, Kerry shipped nine against Galway United the other week and were much better last night so I guess you do react to an absolute hiding like this have you any sort of recollection in your own career where you're absolutely battling like we can't at least let's let's keep it tight the next day yeah, absolutely. I think we've all been in that position at some stage, haven't we? Um, like, I think there's a bit of pride, I think, and I think that's where the English will come out. It's it's a grand slam for Ireland that they want to stop. Um, it's Patrick's weekend. There's so much there that they'll really lift their spirits and, and really go hard for today. Um, whether they have it in there or not is the next question, but I think there's a lot of pride at stake of whether they're good enough to be in that English shirt, I think. It's funny enough that I was talking about like all the great uh, stuff in the paper this morning, but I found myself half reading um, English content about England's situation as opposed to Ireland's because we all know Ireland have done great things to get to here. What's going on with English rugby at the moment? <sighs> How long do we have? I don't really have many insights either, 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 yeah. honest, um, from, like, from, from your perspective, wh- why has why it gotten to this? Oh. The last couple of months has just been very disorganised, obviously, mm. with the Eddie Jones uh, going as well and, and Borthwick coming in. So it's it's obviously hard for Borthwick coming in and trying to win straight away. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's hard for any coach coming in. Like the, the first time Joe started coaching, he lost the first couple of games. When he came to Leinster, he, he, he lost the first few games for, for Leinster as well. And for any coach, it's hard kind of getting, bedding your ideas in. But And it's just that disorganisation in a World Cup year is... It, it's it's kind of baffling that they got rid of Eddie, you know. So it's um, it's. Were you surprised at that? Oh ah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Especially in a World Cup year, you mm. know. Um, but what they think of the World Cup is like we we get over the Six Nations, get through our problems, then and arrive at yeah. in France and be ready. Well, I'd say like they're obviously going to hope to be, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but like I think with in regards to the game, but like I, I kind of get a little bit uneasy when people say we're going to hammer them and we're going to mm-hmm. thump them. Like I'm passing English lads in the street saying, oh, "Are we going to trash us today?" Are you? And like everyone expects us to win, where I feel a little bit uneasy about it. Like I obviously think Ireland will win, and 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 everyone thinks they will. But I think there's nothing that they would like more than to rain our parade and and and, and stop the Grand Slam. Do you know what I mean? It's, um, but is that not the one thing about? I'd say put this to you, Brent. Is this not the one thing about Andy Farrell's team? They they just never give you the impression that they're going to be overly phased by whether the fact they're twenty point favourites or they're twenty point underdogs and the adversity that they came through in Edinburgh as well. Look, the worry is that it's a it's a two thousand and nineteen all over again. You've got the you've got the guts of the of the English backline that won on that day, uh, Tuolangi back in Slade Farrell. Uh, so yes, they can do it. That's, that's on a sudden. Anybody who's been involved in, in high-level sport, there's always upsets, and there's always a situation. Two teams take the field. Anything can happen on a day. That's what worries me a bit, and I think Dev's right. I mean, you know, you don't want to take this English team at their peril, but I just don't think they're in the same places. I think this Irish team ha- has moved on from the Joe Schmidt era. I think um, Farrell has done a fantastic job of just sort of reigning in those few areas that we were worried about a few years ago. Uh, what were they? Well, there was probably a strength and depth was a problem. I mean, I think I think we can all say that in 2019, when they were ranked the number one side in the world at this stage as well, I think there were a few problem areas, you know, that we needed to get sorted and back up. Not having a strong 15, but having a strong 23. You just saw last week against Scotland, Keane Healy coming on, you know, that's been talked about, Josh Van Der Feer throwing. Like, a team shouldn't win an international match against a team that everybody thought was a banana skin when you've got so many players out of position. Caelan Doris comes, comes off the field. Jack Conan has a fantastic game. They've all bought into the way that... 
uh, Farrell wants them to play. And there's great team spirit. He's brought that as well. I mean, you know, the criticism of Joe was Joe could be a bit strict in the sense of letting the players have their head. I don't see this with, with, with the new lot. I, I just see that there's camaraderie within the team. There's great team spirit. So I'd be very surprised. I mean, there's always room for upset. Yes, we know that. Even looking at Cheltenham, if you're a bit man. But I don't see England being... And I think England's problems stem from their club game, actually. Because I don't even think they know the way that they... There's no identity with this English team. How do they play it? One mm. week they're saying they're bringing Marcus Smith to play a running type of game. Then the following week, yeah. it's foul to play a kicking game. Now, the conditions will help them. It's raining out there. The conditions will help But it was raining game. last week as well, though, as well. And obviously, they didn't play the kicking game last week, but there were a lot of hand But they are capable. Farrell yeah. has been off form, but he is, a, he is a world-class player on his day. They just don't have the grunt. I just wrote down a list of... of, of you know, Dev will talk about, about the importance of, of, of having frontline uh, yard gainers. Mm. England have Alice Genge, that's it. Ireland have <laughs> Ryan, they have the whole back row, they have Sheehan, they have Ty Quill. There are five or six players that can carry the ball up and get over the gain line. On their day, England have as well, though. Jamie George, Sinclair, Yeah, Genge, but Jamie George it, 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 was a couple of years ago. Brandt, when he plays as, as well as he can, can get over the line. It, it, but they Don has been disappointing. Dude. But Yeah, but he's a good player. Well, when, the, when, the, when he, I know, but yeah, a but good like, player in the English system? Yeah. But that's what that's the thing when I go back to their club game. Is their club, in your opinion, and both you guys, but is, is the English club game as strong as we're led to believe, or is it a game for kind of Friday nights TV? You know, you get these score lines like Bristol beating or losing by forty or fifty points. You know, Saracens on top of the league, followed by Sale, which has got I think eleven or twelve South Africans in their squad. I see, I see the club game as being their Achilles heel in the in the English team. What do you think of that? Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, like I think even just from a player point of view, as you said like so many South Africans or or yeah. cross country players in. Um, I think obviously they're needed and and there's a reason for them. However, I think we also have to be homegrown and that and they have to build from the bottom up. So like it's pointless having players play in positions that um won't play in a in a Six Nations English shirt for you so you've got to be able to have that backup and depth and I think that's what Ireland have done really well where I don't know if England have done the same it could click but I'm asking I'm asking the panel when did when was the last time Atoje had a, had, a, had a brilliant game when what's was the last actually happened with him Dev Jamie George had a brilliant game if you base that if you base that World Cup performance against the All Blacks in 2019 mm. who were their major players on that day Underhill Billy Vonapola Snicker was at that, that time was was carrying ball. Um, Jamie George was carrying ball. Atoje was carrying ball. They don't have any ball carriers. I'm waiting for Don Brandt. I like him. I like I like the style. I like the lines he runs as a number eight. Uh, and I think he could be a player talent wise, a bit like Kalen Doris. But he's just not. He's not delivering. Um, yeah. Could they click today? Of course they could. Mm-hmm. We're well, hoping they don't, but, no, but, but yeah. they could. They could have one of those games where John Burnt comes into into form. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't see them. I don't see them having the grunt. The way that the way that teams took on Ireland years ago, and as Dev will know, as being one of the <laughs> tallest mm-hmm. players in the game, the way that you took on Leinster, the way you took on Ireland, was you put up the biggest pack you could against them, and you tried to suffocate their ball. Well, you look at the pack that Ireland put out now. Beard comes in six foot six or whatever. You've got Ryan six foot eight or whatever. You've got all these players. You've got four or five line out options. Where's England's line out option? Uh, Toje is not a, a second row size wise anymore. He's what six four, six five at a push. You know.
Yeah, like there's no point in saying he's not a good line of forward. He's one of the best line of forwards there yeah. is. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think Ribbons is, is is a good line operator as well. But I think our our line options are, are are better. Pete, Pete Pete's one of the best line options in the world. Hands Who down. do you select from the English squad and put into your starting? <laughs> Name one player. None. 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 Exactly. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. That. But uh, yeah, exactly. But I'm I, I'm just I'm hesitant to 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 rule to rule to rule them out. I want to talk to both you then about James Ryan and there was a great moment in the France game where it was late on I can't remember exactly what Ireland were winning by but I think we essentially kicked possibly a kick off James Ryan was one of the last men at their goal line basically making a last ditch tackle the issues he's had with injuries and HIAs and the tournament he's having is endearing yeah, it's massive. Like I think just their ultimate work rate for each other is just huge. Um, he has an engine like we've never seen. I think Bayard is probably coming up behind him with that as well. Um, but their their work rate for each other um, is just phenomenal. Um, and if they can keep that going, like he's he he'll be unstoppable. What what, just, what just, is that then? Just is well, it, just, with yeah. J- just with James, I think one of the most impressive one of the most things that I'm most impressed about with this Six Nations is his leadership and his decision making and even last week so he would have started with Ian Henderson Ian Henderson would have been calling the lineouts. Mm-hmm. so then Hendy goes off injured and then we call him Cheese so Cheese starts calling the lineouts. but then with everything that's thrown at him as well with two hookers gone with Josh throwing the ball in being able to call a line out in an international Six Nations game with everything on the line he was able to do it and, we were, and he was able to call the right calls when so like I just it was just so impressed with how he handled that so I, I put it to you, to you this way right Ireland under Farrell look a team that is almost enjoying life more than it did under Joe Schmidt but could a Joe Schmidt coach team have been able to almost as seamlessly cope with the adversity that happened in Edinburgh as an Andy Farrell team? Like <laughs> it's a hard, it's a hard question. Like I, on, on the day, yeah, we probably we're like, could have made those sort of splits. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. You know, like back in the day, Sean O'Brien was a good thrower, a yeah. thrower in the ball as well. Like um, so, like I would have backed us to do anything, you know. But like it's hard to it's hard to hypothesize about it. Like, mm. <laughs> like what has Farrell brought that Schmidt didn't have? God, a lot. Like their open play attack I think you just can't tell what they're going to do mm. um, they have so many options there which is fantastic um, I think just like it sounds really silly and you would hope that a lot of players would anyway but I actually just think they just love to play the game and mm. love to play for each other um, and even just hearing that the family were brought in at the during that captain's run on Friday um, well the, the photo of Farrell and his grandson <laughs> I mean how, how that how, of course it made the front of every paper how would that not bring a smile to your face yeah I, I just think he's really brought in um, a whole community spirit to it um, and as I said like they're just enjoying playing with each other um, and, and yet my cat says like they can play an awful lot better in terms of that sort of style or whatever yeah look I don't think you'll ever have a perfect game of rugby um, but if if that's where the bottom line is what's what's the top level um, and that's quite scary I think and just mentioning my cat he also spoke this week about the humility of the players and like I don't know these lads at all but you just get this warm vibe off them that they're kind of they enjoy playing with each other playing for their family playing for their country playing for their coaching that, staff that just doesn't happen I, I think I think I go a bit further and say about Andy Farrell I think that he's kind of He's the template for future coaches because he's got all the ingredients to be a fantastic... Well, he is a fantastic coach, and that comes from 
playing the game at the highest level, so he'd got the respect of the players. He'd been there, done that. A lot of coaches haven't played international rugby. Um, he's a nice guy. I haven't, I haven't met him. Uh, I've met him a couple of times, but he seems a nice guy to have a, a couple of beers with. So he's brought that whole family atmosphere we're talking about, that camaraderie. He doesn't bag the players in the media. He's always very positive. And he comes from a background that he's learned. Like all good managers, he's learned off Joe Schmidt because he came in there as a defence coach, which is really important in the modern game. He then learnt the, the positivities from Joe Schmidt's era. Um, and that was the building of the team. And then he brought in people around him, a bit like Clive Woodward before, all these coaches, Wayne Smith, all these great all-black coaches, they've always had people in place to look after various aspects, and he's really positioned them well. Mike Catt is one of those guys. He brought him as attacking coach, and he was criticised for the first few matches, but Farrell never bagged him and stood by him, and it's paying dividends. So he's created an atmosphere we talked about. Players want to play for him. Where would Mike Katz, um, what would he assess the attacking out of 10 since he joined when he says we can do a lot better than this? Well, from the first few games, probably a four or five out of 10 because I don't think people were buying into it at that stage. They were just trying to, to get wins, a bit like Borthwick is at the moment. You can't plan an attack when you're just coming overnight. But I mean, now he'd have to be looking at an eight or nine out of 10. Yes, of course, it's like golf. You never, you never have the perfect game, but the introduction of guys like Mac Hansen and, and Lowe and the back three, I mean, they're world-class. You know, you've got and the two lads options. in the Southern Hemisphere, they bring a smile to the whole group as well, don't they, the two wings? Well, especially James Lowe. Yeah. <laughs> I used to think, was it his mouth guard or was he always just... But like, you know, and the shaking of the hair and yeah. everything like that. But there are also two lads you would just like to have a point with kind of thing. But that's what I mean. I mean, you know, Hansen was watching the game, I think we all know, the story in Australia a couple of years ago and somebody said why don't you try your luck with Connor he's just got that sort of playoff or whim sort of attitude about him and, and you know even the mic drop and the, the kind of the tash and the tattoo where he had a bet with somebody else to get a tattoo done for somebody in the teammate but yeah it's a refreshness in this team and as I say they're just enjoying playing rugby and as long as you have that at the core of your value system that you enjoy it first you'll always be successful why, why would my cat say that as well where he's like we can do an awful lot better attacking because there's always room for improvement yeah. Yeah. always room for improvement you never have a perfect game you never have a perfect, perfect season there's always stuff you can improve on and that's 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 what builds success really like you can't rest in your laurels because every other team is going to get better around you so you need to get better as well you know so you have to say that like well, you, well, exactly oh you've had the perfect game yeah. <laughs> you have nothing to improve it on. could be mis- misconstrued as arrogance as well when Ireland are the best team in the world at the moment I think he genuinely believes we can actually we can improve a good bit more. Well, absolutely, which is amazing. Michael, to think. Michael Johnson, mm. the great runner or something, turned around and said, "Okay, there's room for improvement. I want to get a world record." Would he be mm. Would he be regarded as arrogant? No, he'd be regarded as as highly competitive and wanting to get the be the best he can be. That's all he's saying. But if you ask any of the coaches, if you ask Polly, can we improve? Mm. Yeah. I know absolutely, absolutely can. Mm. We've lost one or two every game. Like, Scrum can improve. Can we know. Can we improve the defence? Of course we can. We so, missed tackles, but we're still the best team in the world. Um, really? So there's always loads of stuff to. What's Paul O'Connell's influence been like? Yeah, huge. <laughs> mm. Yeah, like he. Any surprise at all at his success? No, from, absolutely yeah. not. No, yeah. like do you know what I mean? He, he he did it when he was a player, and he's doing it now when he's a coach. And he's uh, he he just is instilled, obviously, an ethos around the line out, and we're just taking the easy ball, and uh, we're 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 getting a majority of them. Do you know what I mean? So and 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 it's just a fantastic platform to play off, and I think he's he's done he's done a so fantastic much respect job. too, hasn't he? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You know, this we're talking about Farrelly, so much respect. Mm. If you're like Ryan Baird and James Ryan exactly. and Kieran. Right. He was the poster, mm-hmm. yeah. poster on the Paul wall. Paul O'Connell's you know. coaching you, like, you know what yeah. I mean? It's brilliant. 
Would you have any concern about the physical uh, repercussions of how tough that Scotland game was today? No. No. <laughs> no. You were unbelievably confident. We're <laughs> <laughs> the best team in the world. Yeah, we beat New Zealand. Yeah, we were. Yeah, you were. As I you, said, I'm not unbelievably confident, but, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant and wary as well, mm. you know. Um, but I, like, I think obviously we are going to win. Um, there are obviously some injuries, but I think, as as Brent said, it's the, it's, it's, it's the depth that, that we've kind of built over the last while that, that will stand us. What, what, are, what are your concerns today? That England want to come out and raid on our parade and 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 kind of if they if they're able to kind of physically dominate us like they have in the past, um, like I think was it was it twenty nineteen twenty nineteen yeah I think I came off the bench or was, yeah. I'm not really sure but, but I remember Sinclair had a class game yeah. um, and they just physically dominated us yeah. and that's the, that's that's the difference, that's the difference yeah um, so if the, if they're able to come out and do that today you never know you know so just wary you know kind of want to be in your box now for the match but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Katie we've only a minute. For the ads, and I, I can't wait for the second half of the show because we'll get to the nuts and bolts of the game itself and some memories of Ireland and England as well, going back to uh, Michael Kiernan and so on, and great memories of Crow Park and Lansdowne Road. You're, briefly, what are your concerns today? Where could this possibly go wrong? I think it's the same. It's just the physicality. I think the anger and the hurt from potentially last week, especially, I think, will can re- they could really come out and rain on the day. Um, but I also just can't see it happening at the same time. Um, yeah, physicality. If we can, if we can match their physicality, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, it's uh, all coming up. And just a live score as well. Scotland nineteen, Italy six. Uh, there's about twenty minutes to go. They're a quarter of the game to go. Um, so Scotland looking in control. There, we'll be back after the ads. Loads more to come. Off the ball. This is news talk. Yeah, uh, Italy are making a game of it here. Um, it's going to be back to a one-try game here with 14 minutes to go. And I think uh, as much as we have, obviously, our Celtic cousins and so on and so forth, our great relationship with the Scots and um, how much we have uh, in common as national characters and all that, I think it'd be nice to see Italy make a go of this. What are your memories of Ireland uh, v England? Um, I, I think no no game stirs the emotion uh, like it. And possibly rugby does it better than football because it happens so often. Back in 1973, some of you listening in will remember um, the height of the Troubles, um, England lost 89 at Lansdowne Road, got an unbelievable reception because they showed up and it was the captain John Pullen and his immortal words we may not be very good but at least we turn up and um, did you turn up in the Legends game yesterday Dev? <laughs> I turned up yeah. I don't know how well I, I played play. <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm O'Kelly got man of the match I think so yeah how did yeah. it go? It went well. We lost. <laughs> Most of the tries were like kick-throughs or intercepts and stuff. So it was like it was like um, like there was some hits going in, but it was mostly jogging and uh, a couple of drag tackles. Uh, yeah. Brent has heard. Brent obviously. Um, Remembers the Moss Keen line. You're not familiar with the Moss Keen bin billboard, so it's it's I, I we're not Brent and I aren't really sure if it's true, but um, it always makes me laugh. So uh, this was in the day as it normally was, where England were heavy favourites against Ireland, and Bill Beaumont and Moss Keen are standing for the anthems, and Bill Beaumont says, "May the best team win, Moss." And he goes, "Jeez, I hope not." Another <laughs> <laughs> line with you. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it was the referee said, "Hey guys, have a good game. May the best team win." Moss turned around and said, "Hey, for nope, not." <laughs> Um, We'll we'll get back to some memories But first of all um, Johnny Sexton So it's his last Six Nations game Um, Talk to me about him And where he stands In the pantheon of Not only Irish rugby greats But Irish sporting greats 
Jeez, where to start with him? Yeah. Um, yeah, look, Johnny's been superb from probably day dot when he came in. Um, and I think he's just grown um, into this leadership role as well, um, which has been great. Um, he puts his body on the line. He expects so much from himself and others around him, which naturally just brings on a team, I think, as well. Um, I think without him... Um, we obviously probably have a couple of questions over who's going to take that jersey next. But um, yeah, Where are we on that in your regard? I don't think we've cemented probably a mm. uh, second 10 um, just yet. It's probably one of the only positions we probably haven't, to be fair. But um, it's really difficult when someone like Johnny Sexton is, is ahead of you as well. So um, we have a bit of work there to do. But I think even looking at the under-20s coming through, I think there are people there. We just have to make sure we nourish them and, and bring them forward with us. Um, but yeah, what, a, what an unbelievable sports person. Like... You know the, the the atmosphere at Lansdowne in the rugby game has been criticised and all of that, but I think it's notable in the Six Nations this year that people aren't necessarily going for a drink in the middle of the game, starting the France game. And you do feel today with all that's going on, uh, the Grand Slam first time if it happens in Lansdowne Road and the Johnny Sexton thing, this is going to be a special day to be there. Yeah, it's going to be a massive weekend or massive game. Like the atmosphere, I think it'll just be magic um, from from as soon as you step into the stadium never mind from the end whistle but um, look I think obviously as you said Patrick's weekend England um, I'd say half people are still going to be uh, celebrating from yesterday we'll call it I think you, I think you had different <laughs> words over the break actually, I yeah. did but we won't go there um, but uh, yeah look I think it'll be absolutely magic and I think it'll be a game to remember absolutely we spoke about your school's rugby memories <laughs> what, what, did, did you come across a young Johnny Sexton in those days yeah since we were in fourth and fifth year yeah um, always played together since, since school days um, always the same always giving out always telling you what to do where to go um, that's what's made him so good though you know um, I think did you know of him before you played against him if that makes sense so was there I knew of like this class yeah. 10 in St Mary's right yeah, how yeah, was yeah. the chat at that time just that they were a class player in 10 mm. yeah like I just chit chat really like mm. you know the same of that they were talking about oh there's this freak playing for Castle Lock College kind of thing like, <laughs> who was that? <laughs> um, was that a term of endearment actually? <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. Um, and what, what, after that then so you play uh, when, against him you play with him um, yeah. I, how, how can you put him into words at this age? Do you know, it's hard. Like I think uh, Peter Mahoney said it well during the week that he has he has uh, made rugby better. You know, he's made Irish rugby better, and and obviously the the rugby world is better for having him in it. Um, and I think it's a testament to him of the amount of games he's played, the amount of Ireland games he's played, the amount of points that he's scored, and just how uh, the esteem that he's held in by everybody. Um, and I just think he, he's he's been a phenomenal player, um, an ambassador for the game. Um, so I can't can't say anything more about him to be honest. Like I think everyone everyone else has said it already. Like you know, isn't it more as well that like an out half and say Popey's era was one thing, an out half in this era where the hits that he's taken and for his longevity and consistency as well at this stage of his life to still be the player that Ireland are almost like um, how do we replace this one player we still don't really know the answer at this stage of his career yeah I know yeah like 
but again, any world class player is going to be hard to is going to be hard to replace. You know what I mean? And then and then whoever whoever does end up becoming the next uh, heir to the throne, I suppose that we're going to obviously build build the team around them. I suppose, but um, he's just done a, done such a phenomenal job about about shaping the shape that they play with and the attack. And I'm sure like he's worked with Joe, he's worked with with Faz to to shape the their the attack. Mm. Um, and it's kind of grown with them as as, as a team. Um, and obviously he. He has the key to to how how it ticks, you know. So I think it's 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 whoever takes over after has to kind of shape them shape it themselves as well. Yeah, and that's the key thing, isn't it? like be yourself as well. Don't be like what would Johnny Sexton do? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what's he like as a character? Like in terms of because you you can't be that good without having something special about you in your head as well. <laughs> something special about him. He's not special. <laughs> like. um, ah, look, do you know he's he's a very personal guy. Uh, like everyone gets on with him. He he loves laughing a joke. He's he can be a bit of a messer as well slagging mm. um, but again he's still he's still quite intense when it comes to training when it comes to his preparation his, his uh, everything else but he obviously but when it comes down to it he's a good guy good family guy good friend you know so he's a uh, He's just a top top guy where does he stand in the out halves that you've seen since you came to Ireland 30 years ago well he's as Dave said he, in, in American sports terminology he's the quarterback yeah. you know he runs the whole show and you need you know, he can, he's probably saying he's a bit misunderstood personality-wise, but you need an abrasive guy that can run the cutter, as they used to say. You need an abrasive guy that's going to give out to other players around him and that. So that's not, not what he's like off the field, but he's just ultra-competitive. Where he'll stand... Um, if Ireland won a Grand Slam, he's going to... Well, he probably is now Ireland's most decorated player. If you look at World Player of the Year, if you look at the European Cups, if you look at the Grand Slam before, if they win another Grand Slam, he'll certainly be Ireland's most decorated player. And I would put it to other players, will he be Ireland's greatest ever player to date? And that's a debate. Because other people, obviously Brian O'Driscoll comes in that fold, Paul O'Connell maybe comes in that, Keith Wood. There's been a lot of marvellous players, not as decorated as him. Because remember, Brian O'Driscoll never actually won the World Player of the Year. Johnny Sexton has. I still think people would say that Brian O'Driscoll was the best in the world at his position, which was the centres. Whereas Johnny Sexton's going to come up against Dan Carter, Johnny Wilkinson, you know, those sort of players of his era. But certainly... He will be one of Ireland's greatest ever sports people, just not just rugby, one of Ireland's greatest ever sports people because of his achievements. And if they go on to win a World Cup, which they could, um, then yes, he, he, he may well turn out to be one of the greats, but he's certainly one of the greats of rugby. There was that moment in the URC game against Connacht in um, the RDS. The game was effectively over and he took this really heavy hit to the face and you remember there was a big concern about him. I was just like, you're absolutely mad. Like, you're literally, Ireland have this, the biggest Six Nations campaign, possibly the biggest year of your career for Ireland and you're going into this tackle 60 minutes into a game you've won against Connacht in the RDS, endangering yourself and that's obviously part of his genius. Yeah, I think he just, like, I, I suppose that's what you love about him as well, isn't it? Like, he gives everything every time he steps onto that field. Um, super competitive, um, just wants and expects more every time. But then there's also that little bit of, 
there's also that huge belief mm. within himself but also for the rest of that squad and like yeah he's he's absolutely mad at times for sure but I suppose I don't think he can control that at times um, he had to battle a bit too hasn't he yeah he absolutely Contemporary at, 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 at Leinster so he had to get he had to go off to France uh, then behind Raj and you know all those sorts of things so he's had to battle for his position but just going back you wouldn't want a player that's not going at it you know, because that's the way that he plays. And, you know, we'll, we've all played at a level here where sometimes if you hold back, that's when you get injured. Yeah. You know, so so I fully expect him to be still going at it as hard, you know, that he's not the type of player to step back and say, oh, I don't want to get injured here, I've got the rest of the season. But because uh, he's not that type of player. He's a player that meets the defence on the game line. He loves to tackle. He loves to be abrasive in the clear out and all those things. That's part of his game, you know. Yeah. Like this, just I want to just go back briefly to Andy Farrell as well. Um, and I, I spoke, I, I kind of compared it a bit to Jack Charlton earlier in that we, I think we have an affinity with people from the north of England. I think in Ireland, and Andy Farrell just seems to have brought this this thing to the team where people want to play for him. He just seems like a nice guy. What what would you say about him as well? For somebody who actually knows him and, and has dealt with him, because um, as somebody who's never met him, I feel like I know him. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, as you say he's quite a nice guy people like him um, and he just that he's bred this environment that people like to be in they like to and like there's nothing better than being a team that's winning you know mm-hmm. and once you win you want to win more and obviously it's a really good environment to be in when the, when, when, when the feeling around it is so good and he is just one of a number number of coaches obviously who is facilitating that and, and everyone gets on so well and as we alluded to earlier on he did really good things with bringing families in and getting family days and and, and bring and do and just really getting a good uh, environment there for the players and people enjoy it you know and uh, as I said once you once you start winning you want to, you want you want to do it more and, and and he has he has as I said bred that environment when you worked under him has his success since surprised you at all no 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 like Joe built the foundation there and he and and, and Faz has, has just built on that do you know what I mean mm. and I think he's added his own little things to it as well um, and uh, along with Paulie and Mike and Simon do you know what I mean they all they all have their little bit little parts to play in it as well how important is that delegation then when you spoke about Cheltenham and like Willie Mullins and Gordon Elliott are successful because they know that the people working under them can ride the horses every day um, how important is those you know those guys you mentioned delegating responsibility to people you can trust within your team that's the whole thing is a bit it's so trust like do you mean mm-hmm. Faz is not going to say anything to Polly about lineups or, or Fogs about scrums or, or Caddy uh, like, but I'm sure he has stuff to say <laughs> to, to Caddy about attack and, and defence because he has his own philosophies there as well but uh, but again it's that trust in, in, in your trust in the coaches and Trusting the team as well that to, to to do their own thing, you know. So it's it's huge. Your last game was in 2020. Um, what's it like playing England? Uh, was it against England? I think it was. <laughs> your last game was actually, <laughs> uh, your last game was yeah. Andy Farrell's first runner in charge. So uh, 2020. Um, obviously, a part of you wants to be out there today, and for yeah, I, I imagine maybe not after you were you were you had a good good night last night. But yeah. what's it like playing England? Is it um, is it as special as it looks? Yeah, it's yeah. it's the one it's the one fixture that you look at and you're like, okay, I can't wait for that. Um, it's it's the build up to it, uh, everything around it, the le- week leading up to it. Um, everyone knows that Ireland is huge, especially home games, Paddy's weekend. It's and it's always the hype around it is huge. Um, and obviously, there's all the history and everything leading up to it. And um, 
yeah, it's a huge fixture and everyone just loves to be and everyone wants to be involved in it. Yeah. Martin Johnson's um, 2003, what happened then, I think nobody will ever forget that. That was uh, brought up in the Independence Day and he spoke, I think, five years gone out off the ball about <laughs> what happened then. And yeah, yeah, he, he put, he put a, maybe a nuanced kind of impression. But he did say, which which really struck me, he was like when, um, um, you remember Willie Anderson against the, yeah. the All Blacks where yeah, he basically uh, went up uh, and squared yeah, yeah, up yeah, them. Yeah. And Willie, like he said, like, the noise that day, I actually was shaking myself and I didn't really realise what I was doing but Martin Johnson did say like when they sang the Fields of Atten Rise subsequently he was like, that's I think one of the only times in my life where the hair stood up in the back of my head um, this is a special game. Yeah, look, I think the crowd is going to be massive here today. Like, I think Ireland v England, no matter where it is, Twickenham or in, or in the Viva, I think it's a massive game. There's just, as you said, so much history involved. Um, any Irish person gets fully involved in it, um, and everyone hates the English, bar the <laughs> bar the English, really. So, um, I hates think, a strong word, maybe. Sorry, but. okay. <laughs> but, uh, like, see the blues, we, know, then. we know where you're coming from. Um, What's your favourite memory of Ireland v England? I I quite like the 2018 uh, game in Twickenham snowed uh, 24 15 I want to say um, but just the way we played full of confidence I think that was probably one of my favourites it was it one of the games I think it could have been would have been the start of either one of one of the one of those years where it was snowed off. Ireland were due to play England thing in the first game, and I think it was Carr. He, he was the Ulster guy. He said um, Doyle put us through one of the toughest sessions ever. We went to O'Donoghue's for the day and the night, and it was a different era in those days. Different era. But you think of the drop, Kiernan drop goal, and what that meant to uh, like Ireland's triple crowns in the eighties mm. when the country was really struggling economically, and what it meant to the people then. And I, I just said this earlier. I would implore if you're going to that game today. Really Realize you are you are at a special special moment here. A lot of people can't get tickets for this. Keep your phone, <laughs> including you, Brent, which Including amazed me. me. How could you not get a ticket? No, I. I if talk about memories. Uh, for me, I was lucky enough to you know I, I did the television coverage for about twenty well twenty five years. So I was lucky enough to to commentate on on a lot of the English Irish matches. The most special one for me was Croke Park. Mm. Just because of the whole GAA history and stuff like that, I remember Conor O'Shea, who was on the pin-up that stage, they invited him in the day before uh, to talk about the, the history to the English camp, just so they understood the whole history of Croke Park. Just the respect, you know, of all the spectators there from England and also from the North and also from the Republic and that. It was just this game that brought players to tears and emotional. Nothing to do about that, just to, to do with the background let alone then Ireland going out and winning by 30 points or something on that particular day. It's still a record. And remember, always remember Shane Horgan jumping up, you know, GAA style and scoring a try. You know, it was just the emotion around the whole history of this event that being brought to GAA and how respectful. People thought there was going to be trouble on the day. There was no trouble. So people stood and clapped for the anthems and they were just so respectful. It was a day for me where it sort of rugby transcended just the game. You know, it was all about the emotion. So that was a special memory of those games. But, you know, you're right. I, the, 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 the crowd has a lot to play today, you know, to get behind this team or something and make it a, a, a memorable exit for Johnny Sexton. Uh, so there's a whole lot in the Paddy's weekend and the Cheltenham people coming back flush with money. You know. I don't know about that, actually. <laughs> no, not my mates, anyway. <laughs> but, it, it, like, ab- absolutely. The crowd have to play their part today, to be that 16 man, because Ireland will need them at times in the game. Absolutely. And I, I think as well, um, w- when you think about this, if, if it's our fourth most 
participated sport in this country, the fourth most participated sport, Katie, for us to be essentially better at the English at the moment, significantly better than their own sport, but that there is a real respect among English people for Irish rugby, what they've achieved, and you, you, as much as you mentioned hatred, and I, I, I get where you're coming from, there's there was 800 years and all of that, the history, the English people who come over today, there's a lot of respect, and it's, it's a beautiful occasion today to be part of. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, uh, look, hatred was probably a bit of a bit of a strong <laughs> word, but um, I'll take it back. But uh, yeah, no, like I know where you're coming from. There's a there is a massive respect there from both sides. To be fair, um, but I think yeah, that 16th man is going to be massive today. Um, there's going to be times where England come hell for leather, as you said, like they're they're angry and they're hurt. Um, and if that crowd can play a part in it, then absolutely we have to see that today. What are your earliest memories actually of Ireland v England on the TV? Not too many, to be mm. honest with you. Um, like I don't remember 2007 um, what I know I'm thinking of like Simon Gagan and all this I know. I'm talking Ollie Campbell like <laughs> yeah. on black and white TV yeah. who's Ollie Campbell no I'm only messing with Joker 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 I it would probably be around that 2007 time but I don't remember the Croke Park game yeah. What about you, Dev? I was I was at the Crow Park game in the crowd. I got I got a ticket. Um, oh, another so it was ticket. class for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, a moment like that inspire you to think, geez, if I could do this someday, this would be pretty amazing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So I was in the academy at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, so I was in the academy. Uh, so I came out of school in 04 So academy oh six, and then I was on my first year development contract. So okay. I think I got it through Leinster and the ticket or whatever. I was able to buy one. Um, but I was in the crowd and just seeing like it's it's, it's an unbelievable. John Hayes. Yeah, mm. all uh, crying. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. And you, you can you think as well if Sexton were crying uh, before the French game, what's, what's it going to be like today? Like you I know, because um, and I don't know, like that that stuff. No, I uh, think I, I think it was more emotional for for that game for some reason because that was the key game. Mm. That was always going to be the key game. You got Dangerous words. Yeah, <laughs> today's the key oh, look, game as well. Today's the key game. Today's a key look. We're all saying what everybody knows that you know. Let's not get overly confident or overly cocky or anything like that because the worst could happen, and we know we acknowledge that. But, but, the, but look, the forwards against France and the second half against Scotland, I was like, this is a phenomenal rugby team. Like, the, but they're the, phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Here's a speak coming out of the, the camps, which is expected, that England are not talking about winning this game. They're talking about moving forward from the defeat. So that, in a sense, tells you something about where a successful game will be for them. In other years, it would have been, we're coming here to win at all costs, and we're here coming for our own Grand Slam, our own Triple Crown, or whatever it was at this stage. They are coming here to put down something and say, look, we've learnt from the defeat against France, and we've got to move the ship forward. The speak coming out of the Irish camp is, if not now, when? You know, we're top team in the world. We've beaten New Zealand away in their own backyard. We've beaten France at home in a tough match. We've beaten South Africa in this stage. If we can't win it now, you know, when do they win it? Because all the aces up the sleeve, Doris is back, Sheehan is back, you know, Johnny Sexton's back playing. Like... All the ingredients are there. Well, actually, yeah, and, and on that, Dev, like, I mean, where's your they pride? They just have to win. And also yeah. the motivation. You know, Ireland might have been, over the years, might have been out of the competition. England might have been coming for a triple crown. Ireland might have been nothing better than to spoil the party over so many of those years. But look at the motivation for this Irish team to give Johnny a, a send-out. That'll get an extra. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm wondering, is this a calm Irish restroom beforehand, Dev, or is it like, you know, there's a lot of emotion going on here. I think the sexing thing is, is huge. Um, it's Ireland England, it's history in the making, first ever Grand Slam at Lansdowne Road, or are they like lads, a rugby game, chill out, we win 
It'll be calm. It'll be nervous. There'll be a lot of nerves. Uh, good or a bad thing? Good. Mm. Yeah, good nerves. Um, I think... Uh, the thing about the having having a probably a quiet dressing room and things obviously the nerves and like it's it's good like there we know there we know there we no shouting or hooping and hollering you know we like kind of but there be a little bit maybe before we go out go out you know so um, but the emotion will definitely be there but I think we'll, we'll, like once the ball's kicked off the nerves are gone and and, and, you know, and you'll be able to get into the game then. Scotland have overcome Italy. Uh, I'll get you the scoreline. I think they won quite comfortably in the end. Would a worry? Well, obviously it's a worry, but I'll just throw it to the panelists. Would a worry be the worst thing that I could see happening would be Johnny got injured in the first few minutes of that match, and because you lose a bit with Gary Ringrow's leadership not there. I know Robbie's coming back, but he hasn't had much rugby. He just concentrated on his own game. That would be my worry. Okay, very, very, very briefly on that, Dev. In a few words, I, I wouldn't be worried at all. Actually, what happens with my, that? My worry would be if there's like a red card or something. Yeah, if there's a stupid yeah. high tackle. I mean, it wouldn't be a worry at all if Johnny goes off. I, I think the, the belief this team has. I think the, today they're one to ten favourites. They're fifteen points. So favorites. you lose. You lose I would. I, 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 not today. Not I would today. have a lot of faith in Ross Byrne coming yeah, off. Yeah, well, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't. But to say it wouldn't be a worry. It, it to wouldn't. Lose. It, well, I, I'm more confident than you, and I, I obviously don't know about rugby. Katie, <laughs> what, is this a worry? If, very briefly. No. Absolutely. Listen to Katie. Listen to Katie. <laughs> and listen to Dev if you're in what box are you in today. Well, <laughs> four, four, three, eight. Four, three, eight. Why has, why has it been a worry for so many people going to the World Cup with uh, without Johnny Six? Not, not, not yet. Today, it doesn't matter today. Not today. Ireland. Of course, Ross Byrne stepped up the plate. What I'm saying is that any team loses a world class player in the first ten minutes. That is their captain and their player that guides them around the pitch. And to say it's not a worry. Well, Rory O'Connor puts in the Irish Independence Day. They're playing a bad team, playing poorly. That's who England yeah, are at the moment. I take so all it, that. If that's if that's the case, I'm with Dave. If they were knocked down to 14 men, that's definitely a worry. 15 men, Ireland just win today. Why then that should be the worry? Get based on what Ireland have done with 14 men this season. I would. Well, 14 against 15 for 77 minutes then, would be difficult. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brent is actually coming back. I'm going to get a selfie with Brent before we fall out. Um, I was trying to get you a ticket a few minutes ago. This week's uh, Saturday panel is brought to you with thanks to Carry Out, Ireland's largest independent off license with over 100 stores nationwide and voted Ireland's number one off license in 2022. Now delivering nationwide. Visit carryout.ie for more. Brent Pope uh, is going to stay with us and watch the game. <laughs> you uh, may not want me back. Turned up two minutes late as well, which I mean, <laughs> um, okay, we we have time to ask you for your predictions, starting with you, Katie. Um, I want to say Ireland by thirteen. Dev. Yeah, I was going to say like twenty six ten or twenty six twelve maybe. Mm. Ireland and a good night. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> and a good and a good night for all. And a good night for all. Yeah. Grand slam. Yeah. Yeah. It, these are the days, these are the days you got to celebrate. Uh, thanks a million for coming in, guys. Thanks.